0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Isaiah chapter 53. Let's begin reading in verse 1 and read on through verse 5. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty, that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne... Our griefs and carried our pain, our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We'll read verse six. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word and for the privilege to study your word. We thank you for your loving kindness and tender mercies, which are ours. We thank you for your spirit who will unveil into our hearts, our spirits, this word of truth, who will quicken it, make it alive within us, that we might be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, it's been quite a while since I've taught on the subject of healing. I don't know how long, but it's been quite a while. And I've been instructed of the Lord to share with you this evening concerning appropriating healing. Appropriating healing. Now, Isaiah here has given us a picture, a graphic picture, of our Lord... Suffering for us spiritually, spiritually. You have to recognize the fact that Psalm 22 is a graphic picture of Jesus' suffering physically, physically. If you ever read Psalm 22, you recognize the fact that the psalmist is prophesying the death of our Lord. And as you read that psalm, of course, whose heart could stand it? This graphic picture of our Lord's suffering. That's what James and Peter, John, Mary, his disciples saw what they witnessed on Calvary. They saw his physical sufferings. Well, here in Isaiah chapter 53... I want you to notice that it doesn't say that the Roman lictor put stripes on his back. I want you to notice something. Verse 4 says, he was smitten of who? He was smitten of God. Well, when did God come down and smite him? When did God come down and put them stripes on him? He didn't. No, but God made him be the substitute for us. This is talking about his spiritual suffering. See, it's finally important that we walk in light of the Spirit of the Word. Do you know what the Spirit of the Word is? It's the love of the Word. We don't live by the letter of the Word. We live by the Spirit of the Word, and the Spirit of the Word is the love of the Word. You can use the Word to cut somebody, or you can use the Word in love... To give them life. Here, Isaiah is giving us a report of the physical or spiritual sufferings of our Lord. And in verse 6, I read that for this reason. The last part of it says, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not only did he lay stripes on him, but also he laid the iniquities of us all. In other words, we see the Father laying on Jesus our sins and our sicknesses our sins, and our sicknesses. This was not seen with the natural eye. It was not seen by Mary. It was not seen by John. It was not seen by any, any of those that were there around the cross. This happened in the Spirit. It has such a horrible effect upon the human body of our Lord as you can read here in Isaiah chapter 52 in verse 13. Well, look, let's look at uh, verse 14. As many were astonished at thee His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. In other words, a better translation says, his form was not even likened unto a man. He no longer resembled a man. At the hour of his death, do you remember when darkness came upon the face of the earth? Between twelve and three o'clock, when Jesus died. At that hour, even his accusers, when they looked up upon that cross, and he actually became sin for us, his outward form was not even likened unto a human being. As a matter of fact, one translation says, even his accusers were astonished when they looked up and saw what this man looked like. He did not resemble even a man. Here we see something that everybody who is in the body of Christ, who desires... To walk free from sickness and disease and free from sin must realize and understand. I've been studying this subject for quite some time. I've been diligently seeking and searching out the realities of the healing of our body. Now, I don't know about you, but I never get satisfied with promises that are unfulfilled. I don't get satisfied knowing that God has promised me something, but I don't have it or I don't experience it. See, that's why I've never come into the ministry to preach to you something that I don't have. Or something that I don't experience in my own life. I could preach to you faith and healing because we, I've been there. I know and have experienced this in my life. And I want to share with you some of these truths concerning physical healing. So that in your life it's not just something that you talk about. Nothing that you just come and listen to when you come to the church. Nothing that you just read in your Bible or in some of the faith books. But something that you actually experience in your own personal life in reality. Isn't that what it's all about? Let's face it. If we don't have reality, we have nothing more than religion. If we're not experiencing the reality of of the healing power of God, something's wrong and something is missing. And I have given myself to this subject. I consider this subject to be vitally important. I believe it to be a major subject of the New Testament. Well, here we see Isaiah prophesying. And in Matthew 8 and 16 and 17... We find that they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the Spirit with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. We see here that Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is confirming that which Isaiah spoke many years before. And Peter, looking back to Calvary in 1 Peter 2 and 24, these are just references that you could write down if you don't already have them. But in 1 Peter 2 and 24, it says, Who is own self bare our sins? And his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness and with his stripes or whose stripes ye were healed. Peter is looking back to Calvary and he says that we were healed on Calvary. Well, Acts 10 and 38 we see Peter talking about Jesus when he walked with Jesus here on earth. And he says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. For God was with him. And of course, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Well, isn't that right? Now, when we get to the subject of divine healing, seemingly, and I don't know why this is, but seemingly, some you know minds just seem to be, get turned off for some reason. I don't understand it. I don't know why. It's always marvel. I always marvel at this subject of divine healing. Sometimes I think we just think that because God is God and you're his child, that all the blessings of God automatically fall down out of heaven's glory. And that's all there is to it. But this is not so. My brother and my sister, this is not so. These are blessings that must be appropriated by the child of God with wisdom. That is, accurate understanding and knowledge and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. And it takes in-depth diligence and study on the behalf of the individual believer. That's what it takes. You want to know how to abide in healing and health? It takes diligence it took me diligence to begin to learn how to provide for myself and family healing through divine methods. Now, I've asked myself this question. Why is it that there are so, there's so much controversy when it comes to the subject of divine healing in the body of Christ? Why is it that there is so much controversy and why is it that Many are not experiencing the reality of his healing power. And I've endeavored to find out these answers. But I had a little help when this question came into my being. Because as I was just sitting there meditating and writing, three reasons just popped up right into my spirit. And just like from within, a voice, inner conscience, a witness of my spirit said... Three things, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of wisdom, lack of knowledge concerning the redemptive plan of God, lack of understanding in how to apply the healing power of God, and lack of wisdom, that is the ability to use this knowledge of God in an accurate way in our lives. Now, too often times, we try to remain babies. Did you know that? We try to remain children when it comes to these subjects of the Bible. Well, when we first got saved, we went to an altar and had hands laid upon us, and so consequently we feel that every time we have a need of healing in our bodies, all we need to do is go to the altar and have hands laid on us. Well, that works for about a year, and then about after the next three years, when you find out that it doesn't work for you anymore, then you just slip back into this doctrine like the brother said. Well, I figure, well, it's not God's will to heal me all the time now. Isn't that amazing how God changed when the Word just said that He doesn't change? Isn't that amazing that He just started changing just because we couldn't get our healing? Sure, it couldn't be us. No way. It had to be God. He's changed. Now, He wasn't changed on me, didn't He? wasn't changed on you, didn't He? He used to heal you in the first year of your born-again experience, but all of a sudden, He quit He's changed his way of thinking. He has a right to change his theology, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he has spoken, he says, I will not alter, I will not change. There is no change with God. Amen? All right. Well, you see, these things used to trouble me. They used to bother me. I used to sit back and say, well, now, Father God, what is it? What is it? I want to know. Why is it that your people are not experiencing in their life the reality of your divine healing power? You provided it through Jesus Christ. I want to know why. Lack of... Knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of wisdom. See, you learn one thing and then you stop. No diligence. Not digging in to find out for yourself. I say this right now. Every believer should spend just as much time, diligence, in this subject of healing that the medical field spends to find out about healing from a medical standpoint. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take in-depth study of God's Word concerning the subject of divine healing. I recommend highly F.F. F. Bosworth's book called Christ the Healer. If you don't have that, you need to have that in your library. If you do not have Jesus the Healer by E.W. Kenyon, then you need to have that. Every believer should have that book in his library. If we do not have Kenneth E. Higgins books on divine healing, then we need to have his books in our library on divine healing. Now you say, didn't you just say, it's time to start separating yourself from the books and the tapes? I most certainly did. I most certainly did. These books that I have just mentioned to you will give you just the word. They will give you just the word. Not theory. They will give you the word concerning healing and the subject of divine healing. The Bible also says, be followers of them who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. Doesn't it say that? Well, Brother E.W. Kenyon did inherit the promise. At 93 years old, he went upstairs, put on his his uh, most comfortable and favorite suit, sat down in his easy chair after 93 long years of life, and just said, "There comes my Lord. I'm going. 10 o'clock in the morning. And there he is. Goodbye." After 93 years of successful living for Jesus, after 20 some or almost 30 some odd years of a church without any sickness or disease, only laying hands on those that that came into the church that were brand new, that didn't know anything about divine healing, all his parishioners didn't have to come to the altar because they all walked in divine healing and health. After 30 some odd years or 20 some odd years of of, of, uh, ministry, well, then he just finally says, well, it's time for me to go home. Here's Jesus. I'm going. Goodbye. I'm going to study a fellow like that. I'm not going to study a failure. I'm going to study somebody who won his fight. See? And this man was highly successful. And so I'm going to be a follower of those who, through faith and patience, did inherit the promise. So it concerns me. I'm deeply concerned about this subject. And like I said, I've been moved by the Spirit to talk about this subject. Well, why is it then that there's lack of knowledge? Why is it there's lack of understanding? Why is it that there's lack of wisdom when it comes to healing? The subject that's so vital and important in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I consider this subject to be very important in my life. Do you enjoy your health? Anybody here enjoy their health? You like being healthy? Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, even people in the world, they say, well, I'll tell you what, if you got your health, you've got it all. Now, that's worldly people speaking like that. Well, you know, they don't really have it all. If you got your health, you've got something, that's okay, but you've got to have Jesus. And if you got Jesus in your health, bless God, you've got it all. Amen. Right? So you see what I'm saying? It takes in-depth study. Now let me share with you why people are not responding to God's healing power. Look in Proverbs chapter 2. Let's let God's Word answer our questions. And then let's find some initiative within our innermost being and get out there and begin to do what God wants us to do. It used to trouble me. People would come to the altar. A lot wouldn't get healed. I'd go to other churches. People would go to the altars. A lot wouldn't get healed. And finally, I came to the conclusion that if they're not getting healed at the altar, then the altar is not going to heal them. You know that I did. I said if they're not getting healed at the altar, I know it's not the altar's fault. I know it's not God's fault. I'm assuming that the pastor prayed up, and he's got faith because he's laying hands on them or anointing them with oil. I, I, I believe that. And so there's a problem. Where does the problem exist? I want to know. I'm not talking about anybody but myself. I wanted to know. I had to have the answers. Because when I first got into the Word of God for divine healing, I want you to know that I did not know how it worked. I knew this. I had this knowledge that Jesus died for my sickness, but I did not know how to appropriate it in my life. Without appropriating it in my life, it's no, of no use. What good is it that I believe He took all my sicknesses and carried all my pains, but yet I'm not experiencing that in my life? It's, a, it's of no use to me. This kind of knowledge is of no value if it's not a reality in my own personal life. So I set out to find out. Do I have to depend upon a man who is behind a pulpit at a certain hour of the day, like a seven o'clock evening service on a Sunday night? Do I have to depend upon that man always to get my healing? I wanted to know that. Is that the only right, the only time I've got to go up there to get healed? Is that the only time that I can actually expect to get healing from God is when I come to a service? I wanted to know that. See, I had to answer these questions in my life. I was new in the faith. I didn't know But I knew this. I knew that Jesus died for my sicknesses. And so I began my exhaustive study. I began to study the Word of God, but I could not appropriate. This is the first months of my salvation. I could not appropriate. I knew that it was mine, but I said, I just don't understand it. I just don't what? Understand it. What was first? Knowledge. What was second? Understanding. I didn't understand it. I had the knowledge, but I didn't understand it. And then when you get understanding, you've got to have wisdom. I'm finding this out. Wisdom is the ability to use the knowledge that you have to your advantage and to appropriate that which has been provided for you through redemption, whether it be healing or any other blessing. So I did not stop in my search just because, you know, I experienced someone getting healed or saw somebody getting healed because of the laying on of hands. Now, sometimes, like I said, people just see that and they run off with that. They figure this is where it's at. This is the way to do it. Just keep going to the altar. And, you know, anytime you have a need, you're just going to go to the altar and you're going to get it. And that's when the Pentecostal church became... Religious at the altar. Did you know that? They became religious. Now, if I'm stepping on toes, God heals toes. Amen? But some of these things have to be said this way so that we can get some, so we can strike your thinking and and get the truth out. You say, how can an altar become a religious form? Well, just like anything else can. There is more faith in going to the altar than there is in God. In other words, it becomes a religious form. Instead of using it in its proper light, in its proper way, it is being abused and misused. Even in Pentecostal circles, it's being misused and abused. And so consequently, nothing's taken place at the altar. It just becomes emptiness. Maybe a little feeling here or there, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't want just feeling... If I hurt in my body and I come to that altar, I want healing for my body. I'm still not going to be satisfied if I fall into the power or if I have a something go to my body. I want to experience the healing power of God and a manifestation of that which I came for. I want that deliverance. That's what I'm looking for. And so I began to pursue. Here's your answer as to why there's not enough knowledge, understanding and wisdom when it comes to the not only healing power of God, but... Receiving anything from God. Verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of the saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. Healing is a good path. Did you know that? Did you know that? Healing is a good path. But you see, the church has only come so far. They have only used one scripture. James five fourteen. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And so we have these anointing with oil services continuously, constantly, until it becomes a religious form. But there's emptiness in it. People are not getting as they should or receiving as they should. They're healing. The healing power of God. Now, God doesn't want us to remain in this realm. He doesn't want us to stay babies. He wants us to grow up and understand and find out. And it's going to take diligence on the believer's part. There's going to be a lot of responsibility to the individual believer. Now, I'm not talking about getting a healing. I am talking about walking in divine health. I'm talking about walking in divine life. God has promised us that in His Word. We can grow to a place in Him that we can actually walk free from sickness and disease. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but that's my goal. One of my goals in life. And then it's not a selfish goal because I want to get so full of God that that power that's keeping me free from sickness is emanating from me over and flowing onto somebody else. I'm overflowing with God to get somebody else delivered and set free also. But I found out that it wasn't just getting a little charge of of a battery here when you come up to this altar every once in a while. I found out that there's life in the Word. I didn't know this when I when I'm telling you about my my experience when I first got saved, I did not know that God's words were containers of life and they had life within them and the power that was in the word, if I would put that into my being, I could be charged up with the life and power of God and that would cause me to be you know, healed continually, stay in abiding health. I didn't know that. So here I am. I'm I'm, I'm believing. I have the knowledge that Jesus died for my sicknesses, but I did not know how to appropriate that accurately in my life because I lacked understanding. When am I going to have understanding? When I cry out for it. When I search, you ever try to search for silver and gold? Remember when they had the gold rush days and people were just trying to find gold and and people would fight for gold and they would just do anything they can to get their hands on that? They would dig and dig and dig. That's what God wants. He wants us to dig into His Word. Dig deep into His Word. You have got to desire this with all of your heart. That's what He's saying. As an individual. See, this is an individual thing. I was isolated from a lot of things from the church being first saved. And I did not know all these things. I only had some instruction books. And I thank God for the books I had by Kenneth Higgin. I thank God for the books I had by Kenneth Copeland and also E.W. Kenyon. Because they were instrumental in giving me the light of the Word, instructing me and in directing me to the Word so that I can learn how to appropriate these things in my life. And I thank God for it. I praise Him for it. Well, I'm going to give you one of my personal experiences at the altar. I was just young in the faith and this Bible teacher, he was a a teacher at one of the big churches in the area. My father invited him over to uh, the Bible study to share with our Bible study group. I was not the teacher of the Bible study at the time. I was just young in the faith. And he began to share some beautiful scriptures of promises and invited us to go to one of his church services at his church. And so I was exposed to that particular church and went there and I wanted to go in line for healing. So after the service, end of the service, when they had a call, I went up there. And when I went up there, the fellow said, uh, you know, what do you want? And I said, I want to be healed. And I stood there at all, just like over here, you know. And he got out his anointing oil, got the bottle out, put it on my head, and said, Jesus' name, be healed. He said, now, turn around and go tell some people that you're healed. Tell at least three that you're healed. I didn't feel any different I didn't look any different but he said go tell three people that you're healed I'm just a new fellow there I had to find three people that I didn't know you know when you're really, really naive when you're first saved I walked over to somebody I said uh, praise God they said praise God she can said I'm healed you are yeah oh I'll tell you what If you had to go by that, dear Lord. I figured, well, this must be set up in this church. He's got to respond. He's got to know that this guy up there at the altar told me to go and tell him that. But he didn't know that. He may have been new too. I don't know. (laughs) So I started to figure out divine healing must work like this. You go to the altar, they anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And you turn around and tell three people that you're healed. On the third third person, then you get healed. So I did it. And finally, by the... It was very difficult going to the third one. I didn't even want to look at the third one, but I made myself do it. I made myself do it. And they didn't care if I was from Mars. And I went home and I had to ponder over my mind. I said, this guy told me to get oil on my head and and go and tell three people that I'm healed. And I says, Lord, I'm not healed. And I says, what was the purpose in all this? Well, then the more I got exposed to full gospel church and Pentecostal church and altar calls, the more I started to think, I said, I don't understand this. We play in a game. Is God not real? Are there magic formulas? What is this? And I tell you what, if you you don't get taught, and sometimes I forget because when you do a lot of studying of the Word of God, sometimes you try to preach from the level that you're at or preach from what you know. And it's sometimes it's difficult to get it out to everybody. you know. And that's why we thank God for the Holy Ghost and His you know, participation in this and enlightening us. But I'll tell you what, I was left in the position that I didn't. I knew this. I hung on to what I knew. And I knew that Jesus died for my sicknesses and for my diseases. But I just did not know how to appropriate it. And this did not help me. That's why I'm very leery about praying for people. You know, I, I really am. I'm really leery about having altar calls, and especially when people don't know about divine healing, because you can get them further away from it than you can get them closer to it if they do not understand. There are methods, yes. There are gifts, yes. These are not the norm. These things can happen, and we thank God that they do happen. We thank God when they do happen, but we cannot live our lives on spiritual gifts and things that happen at the altar once in a while, or word of knowledge, or, you know, whatever is gifts of healing. We cannot live our lives on that. You cannot base your life, that is not a good foundation to base your, you know, walk on. Not manifestations. But I found out that in the Pentecostal churches, they base their lives more on gifts of the Spirit than they did on the Word of God. You say, can you, I'll show it to you. Maybe many of you have experienced this in your life. There have been many times I've gone to churches where the prophecy carried more weight than the Word did. Some people prophesied. Hey, Joe, God sends you to Africa. You know why they prophesied Brother Joe's going to Africa? Because Brother Joe's been saying, Well, you know, I, I kind of wonder whether or not God would send me in the missionary field or not. And, and of course, the talk goes around the church. And then finally, someone gets real spiritual and sends them and prophesies, Brother Joe, you got to go to Africa. Brother Joe That's it. I'm going. <laughs> Why are you going? i got a divine revelation from God. Spoke to me about prophecy. Then he comes back with his shirt half torn off. <laughs> I guess that wasn't God. I guess not. <laughs> well, what happened? They based that prophecy more on The Word of God. And they depended more on somebody else's faith to prophesy than they did on their relationship with God to hear the voice of God. I'm going to base my walk if I miss it because I missed it with God, not because somebody else missed it for me with God. Amen? That's right. I got a hold of that stuff. Boy, I tell you. I found out, I, don't know, I may have been naive, but i I sat back very quietly. Matter of fact, the first few times I went to that Bible study that my dad took me to when I first got saved, you know, just a young Christian, I sat back and said not a word. They finally got us. A... They didn't know I was there for the first four meetings because I didn't say anything. Then finally, one fellow says uh, to my father, he says, "Hey, the Lord is going to use your son." And my dad said, well, why do you say that? He said, because he don't say anything. (laughs) I didn't understand that then. He said, because he's quiet. "I, I just listen. Perceive. Find out. I wanted truth. I wanted reality. I wanted the real thing. I just didn't want, you know, playing games. I didn't want that. So I began to pursue it. To try to find out. I don't believe that we got to be led by prophecies. The Holy Ghost gets blamed for all these mistakes in the body of Christ and He never had anything to do with any of them. Why? Because they had more faith in prophecies and there have been more marriages that have been broken up because someone prophesied to somebody that they should do something and they went out and did it and caused all kinds of problems. And I'm speaking from tr- experience and truth and I know even at Ramah. You ready for this one? I don't know why we got off on this but we did at Ramah. I'm down there at the school. And here's a guy, he's, he's at school, you know, and says, well, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and told me to leave my wife and go to school. I didn't want to tell him, but that wasn't the Holy Ghost, that was the unholy ghost. Remind me of Jason, my, my wife just told me, this afternoon. And she says, Jason woke up in the twilight, looked over to the corner and had a big plant there, like a flower plant. And Jason said to mommy, that's, that's a ghost. Lisa says, there's no such thing as ghost. The only ghost there is is the Holy Ghost. He laid his little head back down that pillow and he opened up his eyes and said, Mommy, it's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) See, he's learning. Amen? But sometimes, you know, I don't even realize, I don't even know that even, I I, I better watch out what I'm saying here, but even in Pentecostal circles, some people wouldn't know if it was the Holy Ghost if he walked down the street with a red hat on. I mean that. Now, I know very well that the Holy Ghost did not tell that guy to leave his wife to go to school. But you couldn't convince him of that. You say, why? Because the Bible says this is not supposed to be. The Bible doesn't say, I'm calling you into the ministry, leave your wife for about a year and a half. Does not the Bible say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7... You can separate from your wife for a very short time for prayer and fasting, but you see to it that you don't stay away too long so that, the whole, so that the unholy devil doesn't come and tempt you. Isn't that what it says? Then how is God telling this fellow to leave his wife for a year and a half or two years to go to school while she stays back home in another state somewhere? And many marriages ended in divorce because of that very thing, but these are people that are being led by the Holy Spirit. So you see, I found out right away that i got to watch. Just because this fellow knew some scriptures and and dazzled me with some of these scriptures, I was going, wow, this guy... And then it left me, I mean, left me in the dust somewhere. I didn't know what I was going to do about divine healing. I just knew what I believed about the Word. Well, finally, I began to do my own study. I began to dig deep and do it for myself. And I found out, and this will bless you. Turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. This will bless you. This is one of the things I found out that blessed my heart. I could be led by the Word of God. I could be led by the Word of God. And I find out that I have a more sure word of prophecy, and that is the Word speaking to my heart. Did you know that that's a more sure word of prophecy than anybody prophesying to you? How many of you know that? You know that, right? We have a more sure word of prophecy. That is God speaking to us through His written Word, and He'll not alter His Word. Not for somebody to go to Rama somewhere. He's not going to speak to someone to go to Rama and alter his word and break up a marriage. God does not work that way. Someone had the audacity, and I don't know why we're getting off this again, but someone had the audacity to come to one of the teachers at school and say, I want you to pray with me. What about? I want you to agree with me that God has given me that woman right there to be my wife. So said, I can't agree with you on that. Why not? She's married. So what? The Holy Ghost said she's going to be my wife. The Holy Ghost said that. That's the unholy ghost. That's not the Holy Ghost. But what? What do they do? They listen to that. You would be amazed and surprised at how much of this, actually, no wonder Pentecostal people get this this mark. You see? They say they're wild and fanatical. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I found out that a lot of it was true. I couldn't believe it when I came over into Pentecost. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that they believe more in manifestations than they did in the written Word of God. And that carried right on over into the healing realm. I found out that everybody was begging and crying and, and, and coming to a place where they wanted God to do something specially for them, and they actually don't even study the Word of God. They don't even open up their Bibles to study the subject of divine healing. And you know what Psalm 107 verse 20 says? He sent His Word and did what? You want to hear something? You know what the healer is today? The Word. The Word. The Word is the healer. If you'll get the Word in your heart, you'll get healed. The Word is the healer. This altar should only be used as a place of contact, a point of contact where you release your faith. Or a manifestation of the Spirit. points someone out and says, get over here. God wants to meet your need right here. Whatever the case might be, in that respect, we can use it properly. But I am not promoting anybody misusing the holy things of God and making religious form out of them because it's just not, it's not good. I'll tell you what, it's nothing short of, of counting this blood of Jesus an unholy thing. I know it's through ignorance and through lack of knowledge, but I'm not get caught up into that and I don't believe anybody should get caught up in that. We have got God's holy word speaking to our hearts, which is our more sure word of prophecy and every one of us can have the same kind of life if we will only diligently pursue and study God's word. Amen? Amen. Well, where are we at? Verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We were just ministering unto the Lord. The glory of the Lord fell down. This place was full and is full of the power and the glory of the Lord. The power of God is here to heal. The power was there to heal me when I was anointed with oil. I did not know what to do with the power. I didn't know how to receive the power. I did not mix faith with the power. And so consequently, although God wanted to heal me, I didn't know how to get it. That is lack of understanding. I didn't know what to do. I thought it was all God. I would just stand there. The oil would touch my head and that would be it. I did not know. I, and I mean, I mean it with all my heart. I did not know what to do. See, I knew something. I knew He died for my sicknesses, but that I did not know what to do about that. I did not know how to appropriate this blessing in my life. And so I continued to study the Word. And what did Proverbs say? Seek after it. Cry after it. Search after it. Diligently as you're searching for gold and silver. And so I did. I kept right in, hanging in there. And I found out in this scripture right here that the power was not enough to heal. The power of God was not enough to heal because let's read on. And behold, men brought in a, me- a bed a man which was taken with the palsy. Now notice the power of the Lord was present to heal the Pharisees, the doctors of the law, and those that were sitting by. And they sought means to bring him and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on a housetop and let him down to the tally With his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. He saw their what? Now notice the power is there. It's present to heal them. And here, this fellow comes in with his buddies in faith. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes got upset. Go up to verse 23. Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power... Upon earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that where he, whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Now listen, the power was present to heal them all. And the power is present here to heal us all. But them all didn't get healed. The only one that God healed in this incident is the one that had faith. And so I got into faith. I began to dig into faith to find out how does faith work. And I found out that the power of God is like the electrical current. We have outlets all around here. Faith is tapping into that power. By my faith, I could tap into it. God is ever present. He's everywhere. He's ever present to heal. Then I began to see the light. I said, I see it. I've got to tap into it by my faith. Now I've got to know how faith works. So I began to do a diligent study on faith to see how faith works. I come up with Mark 11, 23 and 24, the prayer faith and the law faith. I began to see that I've got to believe something in my heart and say it with my mouth. But I didn't know just what I had to believe. I had to believe that I received my healing. I started out that way. that I still didn't really know the depths of it. I had to believe I received healing for my body before I could ever experience the healing in my body. Then I began to get a little bit lighter on that. But then I began to see it's more than just I believe I received healing. I have to believe something even greater than that. I have to believe that Jesus actually became my sickness on Calvary. And if I see him as being my sickness, then I'm going to refuse to allow sickness and disease to live on my body. And I began to progress step by step. See, but this it takes time. It takes time to unfold these things, these revelation truths. Line upon line, precept upon precept. If you don't study your word continuously. I venture to say I have found out in Pentecostal circles, and don't tell me, ask me why I'm speaking about Pentecost, but Pentecostal circles, you know, I've come into that many of them do not study their Bibles. I mean that. Many of them do not study their Bibles. A lot of them don't bring their Bibles to church or even follow along or write a note down. They just don't follow the Bible, don't even read it. But yet, they want to experience the blessing of God when they have that need on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. They want to experience the blessing of God thinking, well, if God's going to do it, He's going to do it. And that's how this doctrine came about. We turned to the manifestation of the Spirit instead of the life of the Spirit in the Word. And so consequently, what happened to them? Bibles were set aside. And everything was taking place at all altar. And they just kept praying for the power, praying for the power, praying for the power, praying for the power, not knowing that the power was inside them, the power of God. So I began to study these things. I began to figure them out for myself. One at a time, I began to experience some things. Now here, here's a fella couldn't get his healing, didn't know how to get his healing. I believed in it. I lacked understanding. I began to study faith and how it worked. Mark 11:23, just like you did. When I first heard Mark 11:23 and 24, I had very limited understanding of it. Very little understanding of it. I believe we only have a little understanding of it now. But I had even less then. But I began to speak. And I sounded like a, a, a really, like, an, like a nut. There I was. I mean, I've got sinus problems. And I mean, my nose is running. And I mean, you know, my throat is getting sore. and I'm... I believe I receive my healing. But, honey, why am I so sick? I believe... That with his stripes, I am healed. Oh, honey, I'm going to fall over any minute. I believe, I receive. I, when I was a child, I spake as a child. And I didn't know what to do with this thing. I didn't. I, I says, oh, if this, this has got to work somehow or some way. I says, either Jesus died for my sicknesses or he didn't. And if he did, what in the world's the matter with me? Why am I not getting it? You ever been there? Sure you have. Everybody goes that way. But I finally began to keep saying it long enough and long enough. And then I found out that, wait a minute, I can't have a double confession. I can't be a double-minded man. Either he did and I've got it or he didn't and I don't have it. I says it's one or the other. And then I found out how people really messed that up because they got off on these tangents of faith and didn't... They start calling things that are as though they're not instead of things that be not as though they were and getting all confused with faith. And so I had to get by that hurdle and hindrance and roadblock. And so I just began to finally sit down And it hit me when I found out how much my father loved me, when I found out that I was his very own child, when I saw Jesus hanging on Calvary, when I saw that he actually became sickness for me, when I saw that his His spirit had laid on him my sin, my sickness, my disease, I saw what Jesus had to suffer for me, I need not suffer. If he suffered it for me, I need not suffer. And he need not suffer again by healing me because he's already done it for me. And so then I began to sit back. And I'm going to show you a scripture that blessed my heart, and I use it to this day. Look at tro- Proverbs chapter 4. See, there has to be a mixture of faith and power. Faith and power. And I'm going to show you how, by tribulation, it worked into experience, experience worked into hope, hope into love. And we can learn how to experience the healing power of God in our daily walk, and we can grow in it in such a way that we can prevent sickness and disease from coming on our bodies. Now, in Proverbs chapter four, it says, "My son, attend to my words." Now, we used to be fanatics about going to the doctors with our children all the time, and so whenever we were given a prescription, we always followed it to a T. We did everything that the doctor said to do. But I found over here this scripture. I saw a prescription for health and healing. And I just took it upon myself just to believe that what God's Word said in my life was true. And I read it. It said, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them. And they, my words, are health unto all their flesh. And I read it over, 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 and I read it over. And I got attacked with a throat condition. Tribulation worketh experience Patience, patience, work, experience, and experience hope. And so there I was. I had all these scriptures like I told you. Trying to rattle them, you know, unravel them in my mind and trying to get them in a proper place in my life. Being a babe, not really knowing a whole lot. But I finally says, I'm going to sit back. If that scripture is true, and it has to be true because it's God's word. I said, I am going to do what that scripture said to do. Or God lied. You know, sometimes you've got to get to that place. You've got to get to that place in your own personal life. That I'm going to do what that's said to do. It'll drive you to a place of unwavering faith. And there's where the battles are won. You'll get to a place that you know that you cannot let go of your faith. It's unwavering faith. He that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, being tossed to and fro with the wind carried about. He's not going to get anything from the Lord. But I got to a place that I said, I'm, I'm going to take that at face value. It said that his words are life and medicine to all my flesh. I went to work that night in the middle in my old crane. And my throat was hurting so bad I had strep throat. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't eat. Couldn't do anything. And I, it means symptoms of the flu came all over me, etc., etc. And then I felt just miserable. And I was on the night shift to boot. You know, at nighttime, you're even worse. But there I was. And I said, I'm going to go to work. Because it says that will describe stripes I'm healed. And I opened up to that scripture and I said, Father God. And you've got to get to this place, my brother and sister. That you keep your face in the Word until the Word becomes alive to you. It just don't happen by coming to church. It's got to be in your own heart, in your own life. I looked at that Word and I shouted it out in my brain. And I said, Father, you said in your Word that your words, not the minister, not the oil, not the altar bench, you said your words are life to me, and health for my flesh. I will not, I could hardly talk. I will not stop reading your word until I'm completely healed. That's what I said. And I opened up the John's Gospel, I began reading. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And I read, and my throat was hurting bad, and I had every symptom of the flu, and I strapped throat, and I just felt miserable. But I read, and I read, and I read, and I read, and I read for six solid hours. When it was time for me to go wash up, my body came to to let me go down the other crane. To go wash up, I was on that last chapter that I was reading. And when I got done with that last chapter, this was a progressive healing. I want you to know that with every chapter, my voice got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And by the end of those chapters in John, when I got to the last chapter after six... Solid straight hours of reading his word and saying that it's medicine into my flesh, every symptom disappeared from my body. Now, I've, I would suffer with that for weeks, two weeks at a time. If I ever got like that, strep, uh, I would suffer two weeks. I want you to know in six hours. You talk about wandering in wonder and amazement. I know what they experienced when they were in wonder and amazement. I stood there and I said, I'm in a mill crane in the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company. I don't have a suit on and I'm not on the altar. Hey, I found something out that's good. You see what I mean? I found something out that's good. That was one experience. An experience gives you something to remember. I found out that there's healing in that Word. And I'm starting to find out how to use that word for healing in my body. I was amazed. But you see, I had to get to that place that I was just, I was getting frustrated. I wanted to know how to appropriate this in my life. Well, then the next thing that happened was uh, with, yeah, that was with my daughter, Lisa. This here was just another incident that just began to open up the area of healing to us. You see, and that's why I mostly promote healing from this standpoint and not from the other standpoint. Because I, I should say to the Father, I said, Father, now, now, you know, I know that we can go the other way. I says, but now why, why should I emphasize this way? He says, if you can get the truth out to them, you can, get, you can keep healing flowing through their bodies and you can get the multitudes. Because that's really my program is the Word. But the other way, once the babies get to a place of immaturity and they don't grow up, then the, even the other way won't work. I didn't understand that. See, I didn't understand a lot of that. But I began to see it in the full gospel churches. And the reason why I say full gospel, because they practice healing, you know. But like I said, it became a form. Well, now here, my daughter, she's getting uh, attacked. We left the place that I was speaking to somebody about healing. She's getting attacked of a fever. And, I mean, it's burning up. And here's our next experience with this thing. I mean, it came on her body. I looked at my wife. She looked at me. and I said, well, honey, what are we going to do with this? says, so you've got to make commitment. You've got to make dedication. You've got to do something with the Word. You just can't, you know, think that if I go to church or if I do something, you've got to get to a place in your life that you're going to act on the Word of God or you're going to make a decision whether you're going to... what field you're going to use. Now, when I say that, please, I don't want to have to qualify everything that I say. I'm not saying that you can't use the medical field or use medicine or whatever you want to do. That's up to you. But I'm saying if you want the divine way you're going to have to learn about it. I have to learn um, I have to learn more, a lot more. I want to learn a lot more about it. But you're going to have to learn about it. You just can't think you're going to you know, fall into it. You have to learn, diligently study the Word of God. And I just laid my hand on her and my wife, and we both said to each other, we want to pray. And this was our next experience. We laid hands on her forehead and began to pray in tongues. Now, here we are praying in the Spirit and other tongues, and I didn't even get to English, and the fever just left her body just like that. It was like one second there, one second gone. Disappeared Absolutely. She got up. You talk about wonder and amazement. You know, just coming off of end into this, and being used to the medical field. Well, now, Lisa, you're healed, but now lay down on the couch. And, you know, we want to, just, don't, don't do too much today. She said, Mommy, I'm hungry. He says, yeah, but you but... She couldn't keep her on the couch. She jumped up off the couch, ran to the kitchen, got herself something, even ran outside and played. And we just looked at each other in amazement. We were diligently seeking, diligently seeking, seeking ye shall what? Next one, she fell, ten and a half feet, splattered on the floor. Heart in your mouth. What are you going to do? Well I'll tell you what, I thank God for the diligence. I thank God that we pursued this divine way, because there's another experience. Thank God that His word is so. Again, we use the principles of faith accurately. And this is what it takes. We looked at that child, prayed in the Holy Ghost, and then used Mark 11, 24. We believe she's healed. Although the outward appearance was contrary. I would have known what to do. Remember back at that altar? I, I didn't know what to do, but I knew what to do because of the power that was in me. Faith and the power. And bless God, you know the story. She got delivered and she got healed. She was set free from that. And then I remember this one night. As a matter of fact, that was over here. See, I'm growing just like you're growing. That was over here when we first came here. I, I just got done preaching the night service just like this here. I went over to the house. My wife didn't know it. But I started to burn up with fever. A little bit tired, stumbled into the house. And uh, she wanted some popcorn. Lisa, you know. Okay. I didn't tell nobody. Just walked in there. I started learning learn more about healing. Just walked in there. And I said, uh, Well, I'll make this for them. And I, by that time, I got the cold chills. Just every flu symptom just running through my body. Fever burning up. Just burning up with fever. And I was shaking so bad, I went over to the stove to make the popcorn. I didn't even have to shake the pan. I got a twofold blessing. Some dear sister went out and bought me a popcorn maker. <laughs> Amen? But the second fold blessing was, I refused to allow... Now, this don't make sense, even in an answer I just said, I refuse to allow fever and symptoms of the flu to live and operate in my body. You try telling that to the medical field. I mean... I bent over to kiss my daughter goodnight. She give me a hug around the neck and a kiss, and and she, her cheek evidently hit my forehead, and she thought that I was burning up. She goes, "Daddy, you're burning up." I said, "Honey, don't be concerned." I says, "I've already prayed, and I've refused to allow it to live in my body." She understands that language. She says, "Okay." She went to bed. I went to bed and woke up without a symptom. Nothing. No nothing. But do you see? You can't live on past experience. You can't live on yesterday's victories. We are going to be faced with battles every day of our life. Now, if we'll grow, we'll rise above all the devil has to offer. If we'll stay in the Word, stay in the Word, stick in the Word. See, that's why I started to shy away from that going to the altar business. And that's why I know that some, some they say, well, but you don't even want to pray at the I'm not saying I don't want to pray at the altar. I want to pray accurately and lead you to a place that you can get what you need from God, not get you further from it. We've always thought if you come to the altar, that means you're going to get it. But listen to me. Prayer does not make faith work. Boy, I learned that principle in a hurry. Prayer does not make faith work. People are already, you know, ready to pray instantaneously, but prayer does not make faith work. It's faith that makes prayer work. If you don't have faith, there's no sense in praying. And faith is based on the Word. So, you see, there's no sense in praying without faith. If you've got faith, then faith will make your prayer work. Okay, well, what should I have faith in? Well, faith in the Isaiah chapter 53. I don't know where the time goes when you talk on these subjects, but let's, let's, let's go back to Isaiah 53 just for a moment. This scripture said, Attend to my words... Incline your ear to my sayings, the little apart from your heart, keep them in the midst, uh, them apart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart for their life and their health. Why is it that we always want to get it the easy way? We always want to try to get it some other way. We want to try to get some man to heal us, some guy to lay his hand on us, somebody else to pray for us, some other way to get this thing delivered, you know, whatever. No, God's words are sufficient. And I am convinced that in, even in these circles, full gospel circles, showmanship has entered into the ministry. Lord, why are we getting off on all these things? Showmanship has entered into the ministry. I'm not a performer. Did you know that? I'm not here to perform. I am preaching you that which is in my heart. Matter of fact, I'm not preaching. Uh, practicing what I'm preaching. I'm preaching what I practice. And that's why I could never understand it. Someone said to me, I've watched you for months. I said, for what? To see if you was practicing what you was preaching. And I said, I am not practicing what I preach. I preach what I practice. I found this out that it's true. I'm not going to preach something that I'm not doing. That's what I do. could understand it. You mean you don't take your kids to the, you know, get the medicine, the doctors, don't you believe it? I said, see, you're misinterpreting me. I didn't say I didn't believe it. And I said, I don't need it. And when I pray and they get healed and don't need it, they get it. Now, if there's something wrong that they don't get it, there's something wrong with me, not with my kids. And I'll do anything to help them. I'm not going to let them suffer because of my disobedience. Would you? You see what I'm saying? So, showmanship has come in. They want to get as many dollars as they can. I've watched them. I sat back there, my brother and sister, and not to be critical, not to criticize. I wanted to see results. I sat there and I watched the same people. Because, you see, I had to learn. I sat there for learning purposes. I said, Lord... I sit here, and this was a full gospel church. I said, I sit, young, just just young in the faith. I said, I sit here, and I'm feeling guilty. I said, there are 30 people at that altar. And I look at my wife, and I say, honey, do you think that we think we're too good to go to the altar? And she says, no, I just don't have any reason to go there. I said, well, neither do I. And finally, I mean, after every service, this is three days a week, I said, I said, These people have a lot of problems. We don't have any problems. There's something wrong with us. We need to get prayed for. Don't you think? I don't know. What do you think? Well, it can't can't be that... You know, it can't be... They can have all this... They have these needs to go to all the time. And we don't. There's something wrong with us. There has to be something wrong with us. It almost... Like I said, I didn't start to get some of this wrong teaching, so I started going to church. And I, finally, I said, Sir, there, there has to be either something wrong with us, or there's something wrong with what's going on with that altar. And so finally I figured it out, and I said, hallelujah, there's nothing wrong with us. I come here, I'm on fire. The Word's alive in my heart. I'm ready to tame a lion. They're only going to devour me. I'm gonna put him in his place. I'm gonna walk all over him. I sit down in the church, I hear the preacher preach, by the time he gets done, I'm a worm in the dust. I'm a worm in the dust. I mean, I mean, you know, condemned, worm in the dust. Well, no wonder. When you get this, in, you know, when you get this showmanship involved, I could preach you until I make you feel like a worm in the dust. Just think about what you did two days ago. Think about it. I can help the devil bring it back to your remembrance. I can help the devil tell you how you need to get sanctified, brother. You old sinner. And especially you teenagers. I'll tell you what. You kids, you ain't fit to live in that house with your parents. All you do is rebel. Yeah, if I preached like that, I'd get them right between the eyeballs. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart